Welcome to a football show here live from SEC Media Days 2023. And we don't have a ton of SEC news to talk about because DeAndre Hopkins is now a Tennessee Titan. Uh, and we've got that to talk about today on the show. Do appreciate you guys joining us. Brought to you by, of course, Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group. We also have a really great interview with Hendon Hooker coming up a little bit later on in the show. Got a chance to talk to him on Monday morning. My name is Braden Gall. He is Zach Line. Zach, how are you, sir? Good to see you. Doing good, doing good. Uh, looking very dapper today on your on your SEC media days. You know, I like that you went with a neutral color that doesn't really scream any kind of, you know, perceived fandom. Actually, now that I think about it, thank you for pointing that out. I do look rather Texas A&M today. I can't. It doesn't really come across on the video. That's very Texas A&M. But. I did not. I did not mean to do that. And I appreciate you. Uh, so there's LSU, Missouri, and Texas A&M on Monday, of course. And uh, so obviously, I have a maroon and white shirt on. So, oh, <laughs> so well, there I, you go. I, I screwed up. I screwed up. I'm going blue pants tomorrow. Uh, white dress shirt. Got some some Jordan ones. We're going with tomorrow. So. There we go. So you, uh, welcome, you're, you welcome wear dress slacks to this thing. Are, are you considered overdressed? <laughs> my, my wife and I had a huge debate about this. I wear sport coats and dress shirts most of the time. Yeah. Maybe on Thursday I'm going to go polo. But if you, I'm here on Radio Row, so I've got to be a little quiet about this because I don't want to offend everyone on Radio Row. But like the the basic like people in the press room and on Radio Row, not exactly the most dapper. The yeah, TV, see, that, that's what I wonder, because I feel like if you're wearing blue pants tomorrow, that may be a little much. <laughs> the TV folk are the ones who are dressed very, very fancy. Um, but you know what? Dress for the job you want, not the job you got, there I you guess, go. is, the, is, is, the, is the rule. And uh, so, you know, I've got to do some stuff for ESPN here, but but and for Athlon as well. But we're here on a football show and we got to talk Titans as well as uh, SEC Media Days. So we're going to do Netflix style quarterback documentary from the SEC. Who would be the names? Mahomes, Cousins. And, of course, Marcus Mariota in the documentary finished it up over the weekend with the wife. She loved it. And, uh, of course, who would be the quarterbacks in the SEC you'd want to see on that documentary? So we'll do that later on. we got Hendon Hooker interview coming up a little bit later on as well. He we talked about Josh Heupel communication, getting drafted, et cetera, et cetera. So you guys are going to hear that. Uh, obviously, Hendon Hooker interview, yes, by the way. a full one-on-one, -on -one, a full one-on-one 10-minute -on -one interview on one. with Hendon Hooker. Uh, of course, brought to you by Bush's Baked Beans. Check that out. I got me a can that says Hendon right there. There's a can of beans that says Hendon Hooker, if you're watching on you the YouTube, you think Roger McCreary is jealous. I, I, I was gonna. It's funny you mentioned that. I wanted to be like, how could I work Roger McCreary into an interview with Hendon Hooker? And I don't think he played Auburn, so I don't. I, I was like, I don't think I can do it. I, but dude loves. Well, now him. you have to take that to Titans training camp. I, yes. And say, hey, yes. man, you got. Where's my uh, can of McCreary Bush's baked beans? Even though that he's not eating baked beans anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, a million percent true, and I will do that in two weeks when camp opens up. So Sinker's Beverages, of course, up in East Nashville. Make sure you check them out. Uh, Uber Eats, search Sinker's Beverages. They will deliver the booze directly They'll to drive. your house. So you can drink. I got me some long drinks over the weekend, Zach. The I saw, wife did I saw not, the video. The wife didn't like the – I saw some pictures of you, by the way, I didn't want to see on the internet this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, no, uh, life, wife didn't like the regular one but loved the cranberry one. They got lots of different options. I'm a 10% alcohol guy now, so give me the long drink there. You can get that at Sinker's Beverages along with lots of other great selection of booze. Uh, of course, you got great uh, bourbon allocation. Join the in crowd. Bluegrass up in Hendersonville as well, the sister city, so make sure you go check that out. Kingston Group, buildkg.com. You guys know the drill. That is the number, uh, or that is the, the website, so go call them. Make sure you have a conversation before you do anything else uh, at uh, uh, with your house. Again, big decisions about your home. There you go. Uh, okay, are you ready to get into this? Let's do it. 
So we're going to get into what exactly all this means with with DeAndre Hopkins, the, the win total. Uh, I was at a uh, children's birthday party for most of the day on Sunday when the news broke. Of course, a couple of people came over and like, dude, we got hop. We got hop. And I was like, OK, what's the numbers? What's the numbers? And I waited and, and found out the numbers. Uh, and I know you you can kind of walk us through the incentives and the details. Two years, 26 million, 12 million on the front end. Incentives kick it up with that are very, very uh, I don't know if they're attainable, all three of them. Uh, however, what is it? 95 catches, 1,050 yards, and 10 touchdowns. However, if that happens, DeAndre Hopkins will be worth every single stinking, disgusting penny of the contract. Um, but what was your reaction? First and foremost, Titans fans were super fired up about it around me at this little kid's birthday party. Uh, your reaction first when you saw the news, how surprised, how excited should Titans fan be that forget the contract that DeAndre Hopkins is a Tennessee Titan. Uh, my first reaction was happy birthday to me because it was my birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Zach. I love to do things that I've been wanting them to do on my birthday. A couple of years ago, it was extending Derrick Henry at the franchise tag deadline. Uh, this year, DeAndre Hopkins. So um, I'm, I was nursing a hangover, and there was no better way <laughs> to temporarily forget I was miserable than uh, DeAndre Hopkins signing. What, was uh, that the was that the the boys in the pool photo that was created the hangover? Boys, um, with a Z on the end. Me, Stony, and my dad were uh, hanging out drinking at the pool. Um, yeah. So, I mean, how can you not be excited, especially if you are an analyst who's been predicting success and rebound already without DeAndre Hopkins, <laughs> me, and um. Now you've just basically secured every prediction that you, that you made as an analyst. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I know that I think he – if DeAndre Hopkins, because the big debate is the, the win totals now. So that's been the big debate. We still got people that think that the Tennessee Titans aren't going to win more than five games, even with DeAndre Hopkins. Like, he's not a multiplier – I, we got people predicting on the other end, 11 plus wins. Obviously I was predicting 10 wins. I do think 11 wins seems a little bit more possible based on my, my, um, my prediction. Then the win loss total at the betting did not move. It was 7.5 before Deandre Hopkins still 7.5 now. So it's very interesting to see the, the difference in games added. But if I go back to last year's Tennessee Titans, even with Dennis Daly, if DeAndre Hopkins had been on that team, we are talking different record, right? We're talking about a guy that if he would have played in a few of those games that he was qualified to play in because there was a suspension, and remember, he would have came back during the losing streak. This is a guy that makes off-target throws look like miraculous catches. And there's Malik Willis and Josh Dobbs in there in that in that run of quarterbacks. So there are no two more quarterbacks that could have benefited from DeAndre Hopkins. I just feel like you look at it. Can can a wide receiver affect the games to a vast degree? No. But would he have maybe turned their fortunes around during a losing streak? Absolutely. So I think it's interesting because I think you said, uh, I don't know when you said this, this was a couple months ago, maybe on the show. And, and it's like, how much is Ryan Tannehill, how many wins is Ryan Tannehill worth? And I think the conversation was maybe like two-ish, right? Give or take. Yeah. And so I think the right way to look at it is not like, and, and maybe on the seven and a half, for example, I might've gone under before. I'll probably go over now. 
Like it, it, do I think that this was a clear front runner for Jacksonville with a clear number two with the Titans and everyone else behind them, but it's going to be a battle. That's how I felt before. Now I feel like it's more of a 50, 50 proposition in the division. That's how I feel. So it moves the needle. It clearly does. It makes them better. He is a valuable asset and we'll get to what he actually does for the offense. Cause I think there's a lot of like, Oh, 12 million is too much for number two. He's a number one. He's the number one receiver on the team. It uh, doesn't mean he's going to catch the most passes or be targeted the most or whatever, but he is the most dangerous weapon for now until Traylon Burks becomes that, hopefully, at some point during the season. What I find interesting, though, is to your point about the win total, uh, the way to describe it for me is there are, there are so many games in which you are going to be in close game, like close situations, competitive games, one-score games. And over time, those games two, three, four, five years, they tend to be 50-50 propositions. It's hard to sustain 7-0 and in one-score games or 0-7 in one-score games, right? Like, it's hard to do that. Uh, what DeAndre Hopkins gives you is four or five plays per game that maybe play the difference in who knows how many games that are close in this season. Let's say seven or eight of them are one-score games. Well, instead of losing two of those, maybe you win two of those. And it's not because DeAndre Hopkins made them two wins better it's because in every single game, they're just a little bit more competitive. And so well, and you got to think that a lot of those games, Robert Woods is your number one wide receiver. If he had been on the team instead of Robert Woods in those one score games that you're referencing, that is a world of difference in ability on the field. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think so. One of my main questions for you is what makes this different than Jadavian Clowney? More importantly, Julio Jones or. I certainly, I think there's a huge difference in Randy Moss and Andre Johnson, but yeah. let's let's go with Julio as the direct comparison. And you and I have talked about this. I, I I want everyone to sort of know because everybody got excited about all those names. Everyone's like, oh, hell yeah, we got them, we got them. Not all I, of the names, but for, for the most recent right. names, I would agree with. I I want to know what you th- why why is DeAndre Hopkins a different commodity? Certainly a very different price point than any of those other guys. That's for sure. So Rand Carthon right out of the gate has told you how much more they value DeAndre Hopkins. But for you, what is the value and what's the risk reward proposition that makes DeAndre Hopkins different than Julio Jones? Well, well, the first off, he's a year younger. So, I mean, I know that doesn't seem like a a, a difference, but it, it is. But the biggest difference is that Julio Jones was coming off missing multiple games with a severe injury that he has never been to able to overcome since. And what I mean by that is that when you are a guy like Julio Jones, who depends a lot on explosive athleticism, then injuries can pile up and he suffered injuries throughout his entire career, but those injuries pile up. It can limit your effectiveness. Now, Julio Jones also didn't practice all off season even though that he was here for training camp and was signed and traded for before training camp, he just never did. Will DeAndre Hopkins? I don't know. But this was also a, uh offense that Julio hadn't been in, and DeAndre Hopkins, for all intents and purposes, this is one. In fact, but, he might be more experienced in the offense than all the other receivers on the team. Yes. <laughs> and to me, DeAndre Hopkins is a guy that wins with separation and technique, not athleticism and so when you are like that you tend to be able to age more gracefully now people are going to bring up the knee injury last year which for 
everything that we have heard coming out of Arizona and everything that has kind of been alluded to by people close to DeAndre Hopkins and some analysts, that was like, Kyler Murray's not playing. We suck. I'm not putting myself out there because I know you guys already want to try to get rid of me. Okay? I understand it. I get it. I never really, for the last two games, I mean, what what's the last two games anyway? If they were in the playoff hunt, that would be a little different, right? Like, yeah, you judge it you're differently. already in a losing proposition, why go out there? So here's why DeAndre Hopkins isn't washed, even though that every Patriots fan now says that he is. Every Chiefs fan now says that he is, and every Bills well, fan now and, says and that, that And that would have been the same thing that he signed with the, the, the Patriots. Titans fans would have gone on Twitter and been like, oh, well, we didn't need him anyway. But, like, that's just oh, – No, I know. I live in That's football. Normally, I would agree with you, but – the Titans fans would have been not really focused on DeAndre Hopkins. They'd be focused on Rand Carthon. Like that's who they're well, going to be. Well, no, that's true. On. That's true. That's true. Um, he was first in average cushion generated 5.71 yards. He was second in 43.4% of air yard share. He was second in 47% win rate versus man. He was fourth in 51.8% route win rate. And he's 29.4% target share, which was fourth. That was last year in the games that he played. And if you look at Kyler Murray's EPA per attempts with with Kyler or with DeAndre Hopkins, without DeAndre Hopkins, it is a stark Grand Canyon size gap of one player yeah. and what he does. And one of the things that he does is off target throws. And Ryan Tannehill doesn't have a lot of off target throws, but he also has never had anybody actually get separation since AJ Brown. And maybe you could count in Corey Davis on top of that. Well, so what's interesting is how he gets separation. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not going to get separation on the third level with speed. No, that's, not, that, that's, that's not, gone. That's not what he's going to do. But that, still, he, you got the first and the second level, right? Right, like, and, I mean, and, <laughs> right. And maybe he never even had that. Let's be clear. Like, that may not have ever been yeah. a big part of his game anyway. And what to be he honest, is, Robert Woods had uh, no separation or speed at the first, second, or third level last year. <laughs> right. What makes him so good, and this is – been the case since he was a recruit and since he was at Clemson he is a like he is Devonte Adams-esque in his manipulation and control of the position it is about footwork it is about body control it's about physicality it's about positioning it's about hips it's about and we know the push-off stuff is a, as a joke but it's like not a joke it's like what he does well but it's all the other stuff that's baked into that it's especially on in-breaking routes which we know the Titans want to run the things that he does very very well to me are things that he can still do very well in this offense. And they don't like, do they still need to find someone that can go burn down the field? Like, yeah, that hasn't been a piece of this offense in like 25 years. <laughs> like they, they haven't had that, but everything he does with age, with a little injury, with this system is stuff that is mitigated versus again, we've said this before Julio's primary asset was his size and his straight line speed. And that is the thing that diminishes with age faster if DeAndre, long story short, if DeAndre Hopkins has never been open his entire career and still made all these plays, why couldn't he still do it at this age? Now, is he going to be all pro, you know, what, 1,500 yards? Like, of course not. Like, he's, he's an older player. But what it does for me, as if I'm a Titans fan and I'm Traylon Burks or Kyle Phillips or Chickaconquo, is the, the, there, there's so much steam, Zach, that has been left at, let out of the kettle. Mm-hmm. The kettle is like on offense for playmakers is boiling and boiling and boiling, and there's pressure. 
And what they need to do is they need someone to release some of that pressure. And that is what DeAndre Hopkins does for me. It releases pressure on Tannehill. It releases pressure on the offensive line. It releases pressure on Derrick Henry. It releases pressure on Traylon Burks and Aconquo. And it makes everything a little bit easier to flow. And I think that is why it's worth it. You know, you have the money next year. The money doesn't even matter next year, <laughs> whatever yeah. the money is. So it's it's not our money. It's funny money anyway. I but, think I mean, a- you would want him next year anyway. This is what I've been saying sure. the whole time is that you want him. You want the option for a multi-year deal because you're likely going to have Will Levis or Malik Willis be your quarterback. It's likely not going to be Ryan Tannehill. And at that point, a guy like DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Burks and Chiga Conquo and Kyle Phillips in the third year for all those guys and then the another year of DeAndre Hopkins is a good thing for Will Levis. Yes. Or Will yeah. Will. yeah, there's no there's no question. And so I think there's the the money because they had so much space and the need. Now I, we can get into like, did Vrabel know this was going to happen? If he did, when he said, "Oh, there's going to be plenty of options that we're going to get to," and my other- conspiracy theory all along he, is that he's known. That, but then, but then he came awfully close to not doing it because the the the, the Patriots still had a chance. Like it was close, but at twenty two. He clearly is a Tennessee Titan. The plan clearly worked. Give credit to Rand Carthon for now. Give credit to Mike Vrabel. Now, if you're one of those people that says this is a terrible signing and he ends up being terrible and busted and washed, then you'll be right. Then you'll be right. But right now, most most people, myself, I'll just be responsible for me and you can be responsible for you. I think at this point, price point with this weakness in a winnable division, when you can make your team equivalent to or not the front runner, depending on how you view the team, as good as anybody else to get into the playoffs now in the AFC South, it's a risk you have to take. DeAndre Hopkins has, again, does all the things you need him to do. Age is not as big of a factor in his declining skill set. If he catches 65 passes for 800 yards and eight touchdowns, it will be worth it, even if that's a little under market for $12 million or whatever. He, he, is, he becomes the focal point of the passing defense on the opposite side, and that helps everybody else on the team. Well, it, it also helps uh, mitigate some of the uh, pressure on your right tackle as well. Like the, the yeah. your right tackle situation for the first six weeks is, you know, tenuous at best right now. Um, there There is a lot of people pushing for George Fant. And George Fant has even said all they have to do is call. <laughs> uh, he responded to a tweet, and that's what he said uh, as a Toronto Davenport tweet. And uh, all they got to do is call my people. So <laughs> there is, you know... That's the next domino, right? Is like to me, they were in a holding pattern with a lot of different things. More free agent additions, which they probably will bring in. Will Levis's contract. DeAndre DeAndre Hopkins is that domino, first domino to fall. Now, the other domino to fall is whose contract is going to get messed with. Now, a lot of people say, well, it's just really easy to do Harold Landry. Sure. If you want to create $10 million, you can restructure, you know, Harold Landry's contract. It's a contract I wouldn't touch. I've been on record that I wouldn't do it, but I could see why they would do it. But to me, it's Kevin Byard. Just yeah. go ahead. Yeah. You are obviously in win yeah. now mode. Go ahead and do an extension with Kevin Byard. Free up a ton of money. And let's go get George Fant. You know, go get maybe Yannick Ngakwe as well. They share the same agent, by the way, George Fan, Yannick Ngakwe. You want to spend ten million dollars on on third down? Who cares? <laughs> I mean, you're in win now mode, right? Like, I mean, like, are you you were in win now right, mode? Okay. Nine point okay. five sacks is pretty damn good to have for win now mode. Like, 
And all if right, that's okay. what you're in. I one, mean, like, one I'm year. What, if you can yeah, get a bunch of short-term deals, that's fine. I'm good with yeah. that. I'm good with that. Um, uh, but, like, here's the thing. This Ryan – the, the the Patriots fans are acting like Mac Jones is a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill. Just I know that we do not agree with that, but I want to say just how good Ryan Tannehill is. By the way, EPA I don't. Th- I think I think you're I think you're taking the bait on even bringing this subject up. Well, that's how the, much that's how much also, better Ryan Tannehill is than Mac Jones. Yeah. Well, I also think that I think it's for Titans fans that they need to hear this as well. Some Titans okay. fans who are like. Well, too bad we don't have anybody throw him the ball and, you know, stuff like that, you know. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, know me. There's you, also you know there's me. also Titans fans and analysts and all this stuff that also think that Trevor Lawrence is better. But if you really look at the stats, EPA per drop back, he's number nine at, since 2019. Passer rating, he's number six. Uh, yards per attempt, he's number four. Adjusted yards per attempt, he's number six. Completion rate, number 10. Touchdown to interception ratio is number 10. That's Ryan Tannehill with that dreadful 2020-2021 year included. And I'm telling you, a lot of people think he's not as good as what he is. And I think people just got to understand that he may not ever be, and he won't. I mean, a Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. But everything says that since since coming to the Tennessee Titans, he is at least – a top 15 quarterback, even though the data says sure. he's really a top 10. Well, again, I'm so I'll, this is a good topic here because I am one of the people that does think Trevor Lawrence is better. I'm one of the people that does give Tannehill a little bit a, t- a tougher time. And I will stand here and sit here right now and, and just with as much passion and gusto as one can say there is no chance that Mac Jones is on the same platform as Ryan Tannehill. Like if it comes from me then you know it has to be true because I'm one of the guys that probably gives Ryan a little bit harder time than he maybe deserves. I'm, I'm the one who does think Trevor Lawrence is a little bit better. Like those, So I'm like one of the guys that's on that end of the spectrum of Ryan Tannehill but still think he's a top 15 quarterback and don't think Mac Jones is anywhere close. So like it's just it, that, that, that I saw that tweet and I saw people reacting to it and I'm just kind of like, I hope Titans fans don't take this seriously. Like I hope, I hope the folks that are out there and you read that, just this is one of those where you just need to laugh and put the phone down. Just laugh. And put the phone down. Look, Patriots fans that are a little, they're in their feels about not getting DeAndre Hopkins. The Titans did it. Rand Carthon did it. Who knows if it's going to work or not? It makes them more competitive. It makes them maybe, if you think they're the on par with Jacksonville, now they're the front runner. I thought they were slightly behind Jacksonville. Now I think it's dead even. It's great news for Titans fans. And Rand Carthon got the job done. And that's it. Like, Patriots fans, sorry, dude. But, like, don't. I, if I, My advice to Titans fans is, just who fucking cares? <laughs> like, I would just be like, who cares? Like, we let's let's see what let's see how he works with Tim Kelly. Let's see what he can teach Traylon Burks. L- let's see what he does for Ryan Tannehill on third and seven. Let's see what he does to open up lanes for Derrick Henry. Let's see what he does to safety coverage. Let's see what he does to help the offense be better. And he's gonna make him be. He's gonna make him as long as he's out there. He's gonna make him better. Yeah, that that's the you know the biggest thing is you know get busted for PEDs or whatever that may they may come yeah. up. I'm not yeah. as worried about injury as everybody else seems to be, even though it is the Tennessee Titans. But at some point, your injury luck has to change uh, for the better or for worse, depending on the team. If you got multiple years of one trend, it's not going to continue. It's just how how it's going to go. Yep. Um, yep. But. I, I look at it and I think about because I talked about it on stackingtheinbox.com on Thursday's article about 
analytics and about passing from heavy personnel groupings. And I put in there with the possibility of D-Hop that in 12 personnel, which is really, really good for the Tennessee Titans to pass from, even though they had no analytics department to tell them that last year, <laughs> um, that if they pass from that, it's going to be DeAndre Hopkins trailing Burks on the field. Yep. So they and if they run from that as well. So like that's the thing, right? They want to be able to show one formation and do multiple things out of it. Now, in a 12 personnel, you have Derrick Henry in the backfield. You got Trevon Wesco and Chig as your tight ends and DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Burks. You run you could run that formation all the way down the field and yep. do multiple yep. different things out of it and be successful. Because of DeAndre Hopkins now, in addition to Traylon Burks, Chig, and Derrick Henry. So yep. your run should be more successful, and yep. they should have a, more expected points added. Your passes should be the same way, and that's what you should do. There should be no reason that they pulled the Cody Hollister, you know, NWI kind of bull crap they did last year that lets you know that they're likely not going to pass from this formation because one of these guys is out there, if not both. Yep. Uh, I, I want to add to that real fast, but I want to remind everybody about Sinker's Beverages and the Kingster Group. Of course, buildkg.com is the website. So if you're making any, any big decisions about your house, have a conversation with the Kingston Group. Nose to tail, baby. Nose to tail. Uh, locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Make sure you call the Kingston Group just to have a conversation with me before you make any big decisions about your house. You guys know the drill. Sinker's Beverages. Sign up for the in crowd. It gives you great opportunities for really good stuff like allocate bur special bourbon allocations and possibly barrel picks that zach and i helped with coming here in a couple of months we're gonna have access to about i think two cases uh of those of those bottles we picked them well we didn't we helped we helped pick them and uh, of course if you're in the in crowd you'll get access to purchase those through a football show 440 and uh zach and i so please check it out sign up bluegrass up in hendersonville as well uh again search uber eats Search Sinkers Beverages and have the booze de delivered directly to your house. Be safe. They'll drive safe, so folks. you can drink. There you go. So the, the last thing I wanted to add, add about the formational stuff, which I find really interesting, is because DeAndre Hopkins can just be put out there as the number one, wh whether he – the number one in formation, let's call it that. Uh, I don't care what you think about his production or his skill set or whatever. But what it allows them to do is to be more creative with some pieces – that are inherently creative. They can be more positionless with Traylon Burks. I don't be surprised if he's in the backfield a couple times. Don't don't Chickaconquo, same guy, positionless. You can have him, you can have him offset as a tight end. You can have him in line. You can have him in the slot. You can have him kicked out wide. You can motion him into the backfield. Tajay Spears, positionless player. You can move him anywhere on the field because you don't need Traylon Burks to be the number one now. He now can become a, a more versatile piece that can play anywhere in the formation. So it's the, it's the trickle-down effect, which doesn't happen in real-life economics, but happens in football offenses. And it, and when t t DeAndre Hopkins is out there as a Y or as an X, whatever it may be, you then can take these other pieces and put them anywhere you want. You could run 13 personnel, and Traylon Burks could be one of your tight ends. You, you know what I mean? Like, you could run 22 personnel, and Chickaconquo could be one of your running backs. <laughs> like, you can you could do all kinds of stuff because these guys are so versatile – and all of it becomes open because DeAndre Hopkins can now be just put out there as the number one, and he's just there, and you don't have to worry about it. It just changes everything, and I love how the contract is set up 
to reward not only DeAndre Hopkins, but reward the Tennessee Titans, right? None of these incentives are likely to be earned, which means that they do not count against the cap in 2023. And they are all barely just above last year's uh, marks for DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he did 64 receptions, 717 yards, and three touchdowns. The first level is 65 receptions, 750 yards, and four touchdowns. Now listen, but it goes up every so often, and that, yes, that will count towards next year. But if he were to get 95-plus receptions, 1,050 yards, and 10 touchdowns, and you had to add $3 million to his cap hit next year, yes, please. Like, that is no fucking brainer. Even if it's, you know, 85, 950, and six touchdowns, yes, please. That is still a no fucking brainer. it's a that, that'd, be, that'd be one of the greatest. That'd be one of the greatest receiving seasons in Titans history. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's so good, but it's also highly attainable for someone like him. I mean, I expect that we'll probably see a regression of yards per reception, right? Because of how this offense is ran, there's no Kyler sure. Murray spread offense that you're going to have, and all that. So I think you know, eleven point two yards per reception. I think that you can expect maybe he's going to get, you know. Five receptions a game, you know. AJ I, I, Brown I'm, did. Yeah, I'm working on trying to figure out where that's going to land and all that. But to me, it's like this is if you're getting this kind of production out of him. When you were talking about Julio Jones, who in Tennessee, you know, he he did pretty well. I mean, we're talking about a guy that averaged 3.1 receptions per game. But that was such a mess under Todd Downing. And then, yeah, like yeah. last year, you look at Robert Woods, and they're, they're, the the difference between Robert Woods, because I've seen people start including Robert Woods in the veterans that flame out, which is a totally different situation in Robert Woods. But, you know, he averaged, you know, again, 3.1 yards uh, receptions per game, but only 31 yards a game. Like, he wasn't good and his yards per reception was 9.9. So you're talking about least you're going to yeah. be getting yeah. way over that from yep. I agree. Julio Jones. I or, agree. Sorry, from DeAndre Hackman's. I, I, I agree. So I think by and large, we can move on here, but it's all positive. We've got plenty of time. I can't wait for camp to see how they, the formational lineups, like we were just talking about. I, uh, I, I can't wait to see how much he practices. To me, that's the biggest storyline. That's oh, the biggest okay. question to me going forward is how much does he actually practice with the team compared to Julio Jones last year and Robert Woods? Because, you know, Robert Woods practiced all damn summer long. Julio Jones didn't. Like, they were two opposites. He needs to be somewhere in between for us to, I think, for everybody to feel comfortable yep. because you're talking about a guy, you're, you got to build chemistry. This offense has to build chemistry and needs to build it quick. It cannot go through what it went through the Julio years. It needs to come out of the gate non-sluggish with uh, DeAndre Hopkins as a valuable member of that team ready to rock and roll. There you go. Uh, okay, so uh, we're going to get to um, Hennon Hooker. I had a conversation with him on Monday morning. We'll chat with him uh, about all kinds of fun stuff. Tennessee, Joe Milton getting drafted. 
life in the SEC, Josh Heupel, lots of cool stuff. So we'll talk with him and just coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, and then after that, we will do we'll play the Netflix quarterback documentary game for SEC quarterbacks. Uh, but before we do, we had a request for this and we kind of did this a little bit uh, in terms of we, we did it a little bit more thoroughly on the defensive side. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here on this, but oh, we did mention when we ranked the offensive units, like what people were asking, like, what would it be if they get Hopkins? And sort of you you look at like the receiving and the receiving core and they go from, you know, three to, to one B right with Jacksonville or, you know, that kind of thing. Wide receivers and tight ends. Certainly they are very much right there with Jacksonville, although Jacksonville, you now have to include Evan Ingram because they got the contract done. It looks like with him. So I wanted to do quickly because we had the request to maybe now more thoroughly look at it with DeAndre Hopkins as a part of this. Uh, I'm not going to go through all the unit rankings. Go listen to our, our conversation uh, last Monday on the show for that. Um, but if you have to rank the entire offenses, and I guess we could throw in head play caller. Do you want to throw in play caller? Yeah, with it kind of is involved anyway when you talk about this because to me, the Jaguars are 1A because they have con continuity between the play caller and the offense, whereas the Titans are, yes, they're getting a better play caller, and yes, they are getting a theoretically easier system that plays to their strengths, and right. they've added DeAndre Hopkins. They're clearly still 1B because there is a lack of continuity between all the pieces of chemistry. It's, but it's kind of one of those things where we talked about last week uh, multiple times at the end of the year, I could totally be in, see it being swapped. Yeah. I would lean Jacksonville slightly better at quarterback, Jacksonville better at offensive line, but only slightly. Jacksonville slightly better in the receiving core, Tennessee better at running back. That's how that's how I would look at it. I would say play calling, slight edge to the guy who's won the Super Bowl uh, and 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 designed the offense because that's like the only thing that I think he does fairly well is is run the offense. So I think Jacksonville is the best offense. I think Tennessee right now on paper they they have a better quarterback than Indy and and Houston right now. They, they have a, a better number one or better running back other than Jonathan Taylor. They have a better running back than, than Houston. They have the, they're not as good on the offensive line as either of those two teams, potentially. I think they're better at receiver and tight end than Houston now. And so I think that puts them at number two pretty clearly. I think I would go, I guess I would have a tie between Houston and Indy, like every other position on the field. <laughs> I, I think, I think it's obviously Indy is better on the okay. field. Okay, because they're better. They're better on the offensive line, and they're better uh, running backs at, at running back for sure. And I guess I would, you know, better what? Probably, wide receivers. Yeah, so I'd go Houston four. I'd go Houston four, Indy three, Tennessee two, Jacksonville one. If you have to rank them, that's how I would rank the the total offenses with the play callers. But as Tim Kelly gets better, as Traylon Burks gets better, as Tajay Spears and Aconquo get better, I could see them closing the gap significantly on Jacksonville. To your point, yeah, I mean that's how I would I would view it right there. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Well, that in mind, Sinker's Beverages, Kingston Group, of course, are proud sponsors. But uh, Bush's Baked Beans, shout out here. Uh, again, there's the can if you're watching on YouTube or Twitter. There's the can. It's got Hendon's name on it, Bush's Baked Beans. Hendon, this is what I use technically in my chili. Uh, I definitely use uh, uh, Bush's uh, kidney beans. But here's the deal. We, I am absolutely going to take that can out to practice <laughs> Talk and ask and ask Roger McCreary if he wants to hold the can and say, go Vols. Uh, we'll see if he'll do it. Uh, otherwise, uh, we'll kind of come back and we're going to talk uh, SEC quarterbacks, Netflix documentary, who would we pick if they were doing it? Uh, otherwise, here was my conversation at SEC Media Days with former Tennessee Vols quarterback, Hendon Hooker. 
We are here at SEC Media Days 2023, and the guy, Hendon Hooker here, of course, with Bush's Baked Beans. Uh, Hendon, first of all, is this a unique experience coming back after last year having the suit and the tie on and answering a lot of questions? You still got the shoes going, but how is this for you now that you're on the other side of your college career? It's fun. It's fun. Uh, I remember talking to, to Joe Milton a couple of days ago, and he was like, what are you going to wear? I'm like, I don't have to wear the suit this year, bro. So, um, you know, it was just exciting to come back and, and see a lot of familiar faces. When you first got to Knoxville, obviously the tailgating scene, Virginia Tech's got a great tailgating scene, but Knoxville's a little bit better. We can all admit that. Uh, I'm a big chili guy. I make big pots of chili during the fall, obviously with Bush's Baked Beans. Uh, when you got to Knoxville, what was the like the, the the vibe and the sense of what SEC football was all like? And I know, again, you and Joe were battling for a position there, but what was that like when you got to the SEC? Um, it, was, it was amazing just to hear the stories of, you know, what took place in Knoxville when there were big-time games and big-time wins. Um, and, and then just everyone in the locker room telling me how amazing it was to play in Neyland. So I was very excited, um, you know, to actually get in there. Even the first game, we played Bowling Green. It was a Thursday night game. Uh, the atmosphere was just amazing. Um, and being able to step on the field and everyone just roaring at, uh, in the stadium, it was, it was cool. All right, so you're watching games this year, SEC games. You get Saturdays off. I tell people in the NFL all the time that for some reason don't watch college football. I don't understand. You're going to be watching ball on Saturdays. How, how are you preparing? What's the tailgate like at the at the Hooker household? Yeah, so, um, you know, we have our, our secret recipe for the Bush's Baked Beans. Um, definitely going to hop, hop on the grill, maybe some chicken, of course, hot dogs, hamburgers, you know, traditional. Um, and, and for sure, you know, some type of fruity drinks are going to be, are going to be there. Um, but, you know, I'm excited to see my balls go out there and, and put on a show. Take us through Joe's evolution because this is a guy who's been through a lot in his career. Michigan comes with you guys. You guys battle for the job. You eventually take over, of course. I think people this week are going to really get to know him a little bit. He's an extraordinary dude, huge arm. We know that stuff. But what do people not know about Joe Milton, and what has he learned from, from you and Hype over the last two years that makes him ready for this season? Yeah, uh, Joe is very personable. Uh, brings great energy, and, and his football IQ is very high as well. So um, him just coming into the locker room and taking over and um, you know, displaying his leadership, even when he wasn't the starter, he still displayed his leadership and trying to get his troops you know, going in the right direction. When he's on the field, he's going to make big-time plays, and as we all know, he has a big-time arm. So um, you know, I'm excited to see him uh, you know, continue to stack days. Uh, we both used to build off of each other, compete at a high level on the field and off the field. We're both just picking each other's brains. I'm, I'm sure we're going to have a good sit down uh, this evening. Joe's a cook as well, so we, he makes his own spaghetti. So um, we call it Joe Sketty. If you ask him about Joe Sketty, he's going to laugh. But uh, I'm expecting to have, have, some, have some good plates this evening. I appreciate the inside intel there. Now the question is, can you put beans in Joe Sketty? Is that, is that possible? No, no. No beans on the Joe Sketty. So... All right, so who, what what do you cook? I, I mean, obviously you got you t the chicken, the hot dogs, and the tailgate, and I hear all that. But it, so you guys, do you learn from him on how to cook, or is that? Uh, I think the only the only dish that I, I took from Joe was the dirty rice. He makes the dirty rice. So um, Fourth of July, we cooked uh, while we were out of town. He hopped on the grill. He took everything on the grill. I took everything in the kitchen: beans, um, pasta salad, uh, dirty rice, uh, corn. And put the corn on the grill, so you know, it was it was a good spread. Hey, well, you're down, that you learned all that, of course, down when you win by three touchdowns in, in Baton Rouge. That's where you learn all the dirty rice. Um, let me ask you about Josh Heupel. Heupel's a guy that I find fascinating. That he steps into the job and immediately like 
his communication style, his leadership, it, it landed with you. I talked to Cedric Tillman last year about this, and he said he talks with us every day and gets to know us every day, and that makes, makes such a big difference. In your words, what is it about Josh Heupel that makes him so good at landing and connecting with players and getting you guys motivated? I think just how much he cares. Um, like I was just, I just shot a, a, a quick scene, and he got a glimpse of it, and he shot me a text. Like he's like, "You look good, man. I can't wait to see you on the field again." So, um, just him being so personable and bringing great energy every day. He doesn't want anything but the best for us. Um, if he sees something out of line, he's gonna call it, and and you know we appreciate him for that. He's gonna be the same guy every single day. Um, he's gonna love on you. He's gonna get on you when you when you need it. We got on to, um, and, and then his football IQ is immaculate. You know, you don't want to do anything but be around him and learn. Uh, so day in and day out, he's teaching us new things and teaching us why we're doing those things. Can you explain to the non-expert uh, schematically why his offense is so productive? Mm -hmm. Because he lets the quarterback be a quarterback and, and have fun um, and, and play with freedom. Um, he puts the trust in you, and he knows that your preparation is going to is going to have you ready for the game time situations. Practice is 10 times harder um, as far as situational work. Um, and, and a lot of people talk about that, the game-winning drive against Alabama. But we were doing that almost every single day in practice. Imagine being backed up on the goal line and trying to um, go score the ball um, in practice. And then when we get in the game, it's 10 times easier. I know you guys had the bushes at the draft party too. I want to ask you about that, but let me, quickly on Alabama, I can't let you go without asking about that. What is like the first thing that you guys say to each other? You get into the locker room, the cigars are being passed out, Hypel's celebrating, you guys are going nuts. Like, what is the exact thing you guys are telling each other? Yeah. So what's crazy is I ran straight to my parents, thinking that they were going to be there, my family was going to be there. My dad, sister, and some of my friends hopped over the the fence and ran on the field, and my mom was the only one there. I'm like, where's everyone at? So I was the first one in the locker room. I was like, man, I got in here a little too early. But um, I remember just I remember just dapping everybody up. And uh, they, were, they were saying, I told you, I told you. So there was a lot of I told you going on. There was a lot of cell phone messages in the state of Tennessee that night for a long, long time. So quickly, you got you had Bushes all at the, at the draft party. Explain what's that like when you, when you hear your name and you get the call and, like, you, you, know, you know the whole thing's actually coming true. Yeah, um, you know, I told my my family I wasn't gonna cry, and I didn't because I I knew that you know I deserved to uh, get my name called, and the work that I put in was gonna put me there. So this is just a stepping stone. I think I'll probably shed a tear after you know first game and and um, you know get my feet wet on the field and, and making some plays. Did you have a welcome to the SEC moment? I, ACC football is very good. Virginia Tech's very good. I'm not trying to, to knock on them, but like, did you have a moment where you just said, "Oh, this is a little different"? Because you obviously are about to go into camp, and everybody has that welcome to the NFL moment. Did you have one of those in the SEC, and how are you prepared for that in the NFL? Yeah, I think um, our first practice. I don't. I don't know if it would be a welcome to SEC. I think it was a welcome to Hendon Hooker world type of thing. When because um, all the guys were like, "Well, I mean, you played in the ACC, like that's cool," but. We, we just watch SEC football. I'm like, oh, okay. So from leading guys off the field uh, to then at first spring practice, one time I scrummed out of the pocket and made two linebackers like touch the ground and broke their ankles. And they were like, okay, you can you can really play football, Hendon. And I'm like, oh, thanks, guys. I, I hope that we can win some games together. It's the other way around. It was, it was I, I can do this. Yeah, I, can, I can do it. It was kind of a um, I have to prove myself type of thing. But – um, you know, I wouldn't want to be in any other conference. The best play here in the SEC, and uh, they will continue to. 
So my, my six-year-old daughter shamed me into taking her to the Vanderbilt-Tennessee game. She was so disappointed that we weren't going. And, I, you know, it was a rainy night here. It was cold. And my six-year-old looks at me, and she gives me a, makes a noise that I've never heard. My wife looks at me and goes, man, you better, you better solve that problem. So we get across town. We go over there. And, and obviously a, a huge game, but you've got to watch it. You've got to watch that game. You've got to watch Clemson as well. Um, a lot of players don't do what you did, which is stay there, be with the team. What, what were you saying to Joe? What were you saying to the team? What was the thought process behind making that decision to, to, to be there every, every moment? Yeah, um, you know, I really just didn't want to be separated from my teammates. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to play in the bowl game, and that would have to be in California a majority of the bowl prep. And bowl prep is like my favorite time of the year because it's good on good, and you're scrimmaging every day. Um, and it's just a lot of competitive nature and a lot of testosterone going on in the facility. Um, just itching, itching at the bit to uh, you know play another team. So um, not being able to be there, not being able to welcome in the the, the incoming freshman with little Nico, and um, you know a lot of his counterparts. Um, but I think that being there and just bringing that energy to the locker room before the game and um, enjoying our, our last regular season win um, it was special. Uh, so obviously. I want some names from you that fans need to hear about that haven't had a lot of reps yet, that haven't got their name out there in the SEC. So give us some names, some of those young guys, a couple of great recruiting classes that Hype's put together. So give us a couple of names that fans need to know. And, and of course, make sure you tell everybody about uh, your beans there. Yeah. So, um, you know, the first uh, top two, the ones, we call them the ones, um, Dante Thornton, receiver, coming from Oregon, um, left tackle, John Campbell. Uh, he's he's a monster. He's a monster. I'm excited to see him throw some people out of the club um, coming up here this season. Um, you know, everyone knows Nico, and then um, the two-headed two-headed monsters in the backfield. Uh, well, three-headed monsters actually with um, Jalen Wright, Jabari Small, and uh, Dylan Sampson. Um, you know, I'm excited to see those guys do their thing. Everyone knows Brew McCoy, big-time catch. Um, Ramel Keaton. He's updating a new number, so now he's wearing number nine. Uh, you guys got to get used to that one. And then uh, little Squirrel Wright. Mr. Electricity, you know, just just super fast. Um, and then uh, Rocket Arm Joe, he's going to go out there and put on a show. So I'm excited. And, and you know, you have, I guess you, maybe you haven't figured this out. You've done minicamp and everything. But, like, you, you're going to have to make sure Tennessee is represented in the locker room. And on Saturdays, how are you getting people to come out to, to watch some ball? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rock my orange on, on Saturdays for sure. Um, got my Joe Milton jersey. And then, uh, you know, my Tyler Barron jersey for sure. Thank you, Henry. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. That was Hendon Hooker, of course, still one of the nicest dudes you're, you're ever going to be around, just a, a very genuine guy. And, uh, you know, interesting comments about Josh Heupel's communication style. Again, just I think the key there with good coaches in the SEC, and I think Mike Vrabel exhibits this as well, constant personal touch and communication with your players pretending and not, not pretending, but actually caring about who they are and what they do. Uh, and a lot of names there in the receiving core that he thinks are going to become stars this year. And uh, some interesting stuff about Joe Milton, the chef, Dirty Rice and Joe Sketty. I, I don't know about Joe Sketty as a name. I didn't want to well, dog him out in front of Hendon, but well, I, I was I was I thought that was pretty interesting because that I you I mean again it's not like chef cuisine, you know, meals that he's making. I mean it's very college college yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. level esque. But I did think that was interesting that Joe Milton loves to cook. I and yeah. then he apparently cooks really great dirty rice and whatever the that Joe Sketty's <laughs> crap sounds like. I, I I don't I didn't ask any questions, any further follow-ups about Joe Sketty. It's just you know, it is what it is. But no, Hendon's a great sport, of course. Uh, you know, coming to the SEC and we'll see about his 
you know, he said, I asked him about welcome to the SEC moment and are you ready for your welcome to the NFL moment? And his answer was, there was a welcome to Hendon Hooker moment because I gained so much confidence. I learned, oh, I can do this. And so it, there's a, a, a flip that switched in his brain that he thought, you know what, this SEC is great, but like I can play here. I belong here. And it's when he was making plays instead of the other way around. I have a feeling that will be an interesting dynamic when he gets to Lions camp here in a, in a couple of weeks. And they're actually... Yeah. Actually, some live ammunition flying around. So, uh, okay. So, appreciate Hendon Hooker swinging by. Uh, make sure you check out all of our great SEC coverage uh, on Fringe Element Podcast, of course. So, so great stuff there uh, from him. And we'll have all kinds of players and, and stuff coming on for you over there on the feed and the YouTube page as well, as you guys are, are well aware. So, check that out. Okay. Um, Sinker's Beverages, Kingston Group. Appreciate you guys sponsoring us this week. Uh, Netflix, I don't know if you if you watch the whole thing. I've, I've, now watched yesterday. The, I've now watched the whole thing. My first question. What do you think of Brittany Mahomes? She wasn't as uh, annoying as I thought she was going to be. Of course, that's what the editing department is for. Um, <laughs> so, but there were the, you literally. could see you could see the. Um, I mean, my wife said that she definitely has resting bitch face. Um, oh my 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 wife! That's what you just said. My wife was like, I, "She's not as bad as I thought," but like they knew they were in front of cameras and there's editors, right? And I was like, "It's literally what you just said." Yeah, and well, the, the funny thing is, is that you see the Mahomes that that are the Brittany Mahomes in glimpses. The one that we've come to know because of the bad press, you see it in glimpses during the game. Like you see that, yeah, she's kind of annoying. She yeah, she is annoying. that. She is that in real life. Uh, my biggest. She does thing ride or die. Is, she does ride or die for him though. Gotta and I I think I I first off I think that if. If you didn't love Patrick Mahomes before now, even if you're a Chargers fan, the utmost respect. I mean, like, I I can't say anything negative about the guy besides his voice. That's it. <laughs> uh, also, he needs to quit repeating himself. He so repeats much. himself <laughs> so much. Just all the time. But, I mean, dude's a competitor. Uh, I think the crazy training that he he does and puts his body through is just – is just insane. Utmost respect for him. Yeah. Um, Marcus definitely quit, like we all thought. That was my one of another big takeaway was like he that definitely was the most. Quit. I thought that was the most interesting part of the story. And having been around him a little bit, I am surprised that Arthur Smith didn't like defend him a little bit more because Arthur Smith clearly said no, we didn't talk about the surgery, um, which I thought was interesting. But I think there is knowing him the way that just a little bit. There is no way that the daughter wasn't the fact, wasn't the main driving right, factor. Right, right. It was oh, clearly totally. about, is clearly about, I'm going to hold my daughter. I'm going to get ready for my knee to be ready for next season, even though I don't have to do it. I, Desmond Ritter's, I think one important note is that Desmond Ritter was told, they told him that he was going to start every game. That doesn't mean he's not still one play away from getting back out there. Right. But I, there is, if he does not have his baby daughter during that moment, his first child ever, 100%. there is no chance he walks away from the team. So. And I do not, I do not, I un from having lived next to Marcus, I understand not surprised in the least that he chose his family right over the game of football and being a backup. But that and I've said that numerous times on football and other efforts when discussing this, but that does not change the fact. The straight fact is he did not have to have that surgery, and he poorly communicated that that's what was gonna happen. And he yep. he he took the opportunity of getting benched to go spend time with his family and good for him. However, at the end of the day, that is still quitting on your team. But yeah, also, let hard. me say this. 
I do not know why he's putting himself through another year of NFL football to go play in Philadelphia, where which is so far away from his family. That seems like a recipe for disaster, and I don't know why he's doing it. Maybe because Jalen's uh, he he fits the offense really well, and Jalen could get hurt playing that style. Yeah. I, I don't but, know. I mean, and also, I, Marcus is going to get hurt playing that style. That, that's true. But <laughs> hey, maybe you win a ring as a backup. I mean, there's there's oh, no there, there's no chance they're winning a ring. Also, also you make you you could also make a couple million bucks. Yeah, <laughs> as yeah, a but I mean, yeah, at some point, the, the, I. He doesn't need an extra million dollars. I mean, everybody no, wants an extra no. million dollars, but I mean, I, I don't I, know. It just seems like I, I can't get a grit. I can't understand why it was hard. He goes man, back. Weird. But I think, you know, also Kirk Cousins said it best. And like, if you put Kirk Cousins, if you put Ryan Tannehill, that's the same story arc. I feel like you get the same, like, you get it's the very, same. it's very similar. Yeah. Actually, I, I, I like everything he said. I'm just like, is that Ryan Tannehill? If I just squint just enough, I think that's Ryan Tannehill. I th- and I, I, think I love only... Kirk Cousins, but I've Kirk... always appreciated what Kirk Cousins is more than he, everybody else. He is the most basic middle-aged white dude I have ever seen play quarterback in the NFL. But like, he's one of the toughest, toughest, a dudes. toughest. What a tough mf'er! And like the dude. Um, I think what's interesting about Tannehill is the only thing is that Tannehill was such a high draft pick that there's less of that chip on the shoulder. But there is sort of like a built-in underrated doubt thing that plays into Ryan Tannehill that I think is very similar with Kirk Cousins. But Cousins was sort of like Tannehill was a four-star recruit coming out of high school, not at quarterback, but a four-star recruit. Like Tannehill kind of has had a little bit more pedigree every step of the way, whereas Cousins was an underrated player in high school, underrated recruit. Went to Michigan State, had to earn his way onto the field, didn't get drafted very highly, you know, third, fourth round or whatever it was. But, man, what a tough, tough SOB. And, frankly, that is as basic an NFL family as I have ever seen. And I don't yeah. I don't mean I don't mean that like as an insult, but my God, like he's just such a nor- like <laughs> it's almost too boring. <laughs> I liked uh, it. I, I we, no, it was we, fine. we it was fine. enjoyed it. OK, so we'll, we'll wrap up here with SEC quarterbacks. Now we can try to do there's two ways you could do this. Who are the three most interesting quarterback quarterbacks you'd like to follow packaged with the storylines of the team and the co- coach and, and what's interesting, right? Or you could try to match the the, the trio, which is like the Mahomes, like the superstar Mahomes, the sort of underrated grinder who's pretty good cousins, and the redemption story Mariota, right? Like those would be the three. So do you want to try to match the stories, or do you want to just pick the three most interesting players? Like what's more interesting? Like what? Well, I think, I think it's I think it's more of the for me it's more of the it was a clear what you're saying is a clear level but I mean also Kirk Cousins had a really freaking awesome year yeah. last year that didn't yeah. end up in a Super Bowl but he went farther than uh I think what people expect in the preseason uh, I don't know if coaches really play into it for me because the coaches took up I think five percent of the the film like I mean it wasn't really about the coaches it really was about the yeah. players. And um, and and what they go through in a daily grind and what they do. So, like for me, I would think that KJ Jefferson is kind of like your Kirk Cousins type in the sense that he's the super likable one, the one that kind of flies under the radar, even though he's really consistently good from season to season. I like that. I like that. Uh, so I would put Kirk, KJ Jefferson on there. I think Joe Milton would be one. And I think that first off you get, if you're Netflix, you get tons of ratings just from Joe Milton being 
the, the one he of the would, guys. He, he would be great television. He, and he's great television. I mean, yep. he's got good personality, but he's kind of been, and we, we joke about it all the time, you know, he's been in the playing college football since 2000. So let's kind of like Marcus <laughs> Mariota in the sense that he yeah, keeps traveling yeah. around everywhere and can't really catch on. This is his chance to be a starter and catch on somewhere. So I'd put him okay. on there. Okay. You know, there is no Patrick Mahomes in this SEC. So there, there's no one like him where there is the A-plus superstar. But Bryce Young so, and Hendon Hooker would have been that guy last yeah. year. Yeah. So for me, it would. I think I would go like, which quarterback is going to provide the most drama during the year? And I think that's going to be Spencer Rattler. Like, if, <sighs> following Spencer Rattler's career through his season, this season from what he was supposed to be to where he's trying to get back to, I think would be such an interesting story to follow. And and there's no way you, you're right about the coaches not being a huge part of it, but there's no way Shane Beamer doesn't make himself a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, or at least he's he, maybe on accident, maybe not on purpose. You get yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. But, you know. So last year, I think it would have been very easy. Bryce Young is your Patrick Mahomes, reigning Heisman Trophy yeah. winner. Stetson Bennett is your Kirk Cousins, right? Yeah. Underrated, but really damn good. Chip on his shoulder. You know, kind of a basic dude, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just your basic accountant playing playing football. Um, and I don't know, I don't know, like I'm trying to think who the redemption story could. Not have really been a redemption story, but you would have to put Eddie Hooker in there. He's the I most mean, interesting out of all the guys that are left. But he's not a Mariota level kind of guy, no. like in, in terms of the quality. I think Jaden Daniels to me is the top most interesting guy uh, in terms of like established star power. And on on the team that's going to be top five, top six in the preseason, they might even be picked to beat Alabama and win the West this year. And because there's there's another notch for him, like that he's number two in the Heisman voting right now uh, in terms of the odds to win it. It's it's yeah, number one Caleb weird. Williams, number two Jaden Daniels. It's not correct. I would not bet on it. But yeah. the, the the hype and the coverage and the press, like he is the star right now. Like he's the name that is the star. If I knew what was going to happen at Ole Miss or Bama or Georgia, I I would try to figure out a way to get. Like Jackson Dart might be the right Marcus Mariota because Jackson Dart is a guy that they went out and got two transfers. Lane Kiffin went and got two guys to come in and battle with Jackson Dart, even though he was the starter last year. So Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, interesting, fun team, good offense. Jackson Dart's the returning starter, but he doesn't, he, the coach doesn't necessarily believe in him. Like that, to me, that's the Marcus Mariota story, maybe. Uh, and then I love Joe Milton as a, just a general story because I think he'd be great television. He, he's a really interesting personality. The offense is big. He's very photogenic with like the size and the arm and the practices and everything. Uh, and But it was hard for me not to have Rattler in there too. I think you're dead on the career journey, the career path. There's clearly some redemption there with, with Rattler as well. Um, but they're all interesting. AJ Swan, is he the breakout star? Connor Wigman at AM, is he the breakout star? Like Devin Leary's transfer has been very interesting. So I think there's a lot of good, interesting stories, but not not any guys that are Mahomes or Kirk Cousins in the SEC currently. Yeah. If you're doing it for college football, it is Caleb Williams. Caleb yeah. Williams is is Patrick Mahomes. Like that's it right there. Uh, the other guys is hard to pick. There's so many interesting stories around college football. So. I, don't know. I think SEC is like KJ Jefferson is pretty much your Kirk Cousins. Don't you think? I, I, I think I, I, maybe no, you make, not in play style, but in the way that they carry no, you did a good. In the way that they have been productive in their wherever stop they are at, yeah. or every any year they were they're severely underrated as far as talent goes yeah I, you know I last year it would have been will levis you'd almost have to do the four sec you'd have big, to do hooker bryce young yeah. anthony richardson and will levis like i feel like that would be you'd have here's to almost do those guys 
this doesn't count as SEC, but kind of Quinn Ewers at Texas would be a fascinating track yeah. and TV arc because there, there's lots of expectations on that team. Heralded recruit had some bright moments, but also not so so good moments last year. You got Arch Manning as like an added storyline behind him there, which makes for interesting television. Steve Sarkeesian, the offense, Texas changing leagues is is dramatic. Like there's a whole lot that would go into a Quinn. You I would follow Quinn. You I'd watch a documentary about Quinn Ewers this year whether he's good or bad. I think it would be fascinating to, to track that one as well. So uh, there you have it. Send us yours if you want to. Uh, we're not, we, we, we recorded this, so we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. But uh, uh, obviously, rate, review, subscribe, check out the show. Send us your three quarterbacks, Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group, uh, stackintheinbox.com. Welcome to town, DeAndre Hopkins, football and other F-words. Uh, and, of course, thanks to Hendon Hooker and Bush's Beans uh, for hanging out with us on day number one at SEC Media Days. We'll be back on Thursday to wrap up all of the storylines that we heard, all of the talking season from this week uh, down in downtown Nashville at the Grand Hyatt. Seekers Beverages, Kingston Group. Zach, always a pleasure, my man. Thanks for hanging out. My name is Braden Gall. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday.